Hey guys, uh, on today's episode, a new game and where I see this podcast going. Let's get started. On December 8th, I indicated that I hope to get 100 million shots in people's arms in my first 100 days. We met that goal last week by day 58, 42 days ahead of schedule. Now today I'm setting a second goal, and that is we will, by my 100th day in office, have administered 200 million shots in people's arms. Yes, yes, hello one, hello all. Welcome to the Politics Mostly podcast. I am your host, Peter Ramirez. That was an audio clip from Joe Biden's first solo press conference he held, and I wonder what Fox News will now be very fake outraged about now that he's held that press conference. Uh, Folks, loyal listeners, I have a new game I want to debut today. Now, I googled this phrase before going on air with it because I didn't want to steal anyone's shtick, right? No intellectual property right issues, anything like that. The rules are pretty simple. Uh, I'm going to read a headline or the lead of a, vi- of a viral news story and then tell you if it's everything, something, or nothing. Everything means some, uh, you know, this story is important right now, an issue that is both timely and impactful, and the story may deserve even more attention than it's currently getting. Something means that uh, it's... So, you know, something about the story interested me, and while the story may not be leading the nightly news, it's definitely noteworthy, uh, particularly one aspect of it, which I would then talk about. Lastly, nothing means this story is overrated or doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> you know, Mitch McConnell promising to do X, Y, Z, right? You know, that, that doesn't do anything for me. And I'll talk about why this story doesn't deserve any time. Um... You know, nothing would be the potato head controversy, which ironically I did an entire episode on <laughs> last week or two weeks ago. But that was more just as a, as a conduit to talk about cancel culture. Um, okay, so that's, that's, that's the story. Everything, something, or nothing. Um, why am I doing this segment? Well, I wanted to start doing some segments. Uh, segments are big right now, and that's what my associate producer is telling me. <laughs> uh, the joke is I don't have an associate producer. Uh, I do the parting shot segment at the end, which I like. Uh, I've started with a, a tease at the top and then the intro music, you know, you know, trying to get my own unique voice here. Um, the podcast, for whatever reason, and trust me, I have no idea why, continues to grow. I don't promote it. I don't have social media for it. Uh, But every week, these numbers are going up. Uh, So thank you for that. And in return, I'm going to spend more time working on the pod and hopefully develop new segments and more content. So that's that's the new segment, Everything Something or Nothing. Uh, That'll be debuting in just a second. Uh, But I do want to take you behind the scenes here. Open up the kimono, as the corporate suits would say. (laughs) And talk briefly about my vision for this podcast moving forward. Uh, I was talking to my friend Kevin about this. Shout out, Kevin. Okay. What's wrong with most news podcasts? Well, a ton of them are just reporting facts after the event occurred, right? You know, NPR Morning Edition, stuff like this. And there's nothing inherently wrong about that. I'm not throwing shade at the wonderful people at NPR. Uh, 
But the problem for so many of us is that we kind of follow the news like hour to hour. And, you know, we see a breaking news story in social media or in the news that's on in the background. And we instantly kind of become aware of it. Right. So I, I, don't, I don't want to do just that. Right. Why have a journalist tell you the who, what, why, where, how of a story, you know, like 18 hours after it happened? We all saw what happened by the next hour. You know, these podcasts are great if someone literally doesn't follow the news at all, uh, except for the podcast, you know, in which case, great. Uh, F you for following, for not following every micro news cycle with existential dread like I do. <laughs> and two, then continue listening to those podcasts. They, they work for you. Um, but for most people, they don't want to hear about what happened yesterday they want to know why it's important, what's happening tomorrow, opinion, breakdown, some news story you may not have seen but deserves more attention. And this is where I come in to fill that void. And the, another form of news uh, podcasting that I want to stay away from is interview-based podcasts. And once again, nothing wrong with that. But... These are normally just journalists or, like, scientists hawking books. So, yeah, congrats on listening to a 60-minute infomercial. <laughs> but secondly, these interview-based news podcasts can be great if the author, the interviewee, being interviewed is actually interesting. And that's a big if, unfortunately. I remember a few months ago listening to a podcast, one I actually like, and so I knew the author of the topic, um, and I, I, I knew the, the person they were interviewing. I knew the topic they were going to talk about. It was a podcast I regularly listened to, and I thought, wow, this should be fantastic. But, you know, five minutes into it, it kind of feels like a homework assignment, like it's something I have to do. And so this pod will always be the third way, right? More than just what happened, but why it's important. Could it have been predicted? Why now? And, you know, interesting, opinionated, and sometimes, you know, veering off the Death Star of American politics, uh, hot takes. <laughs> so that's where I see the podcast moving forward. Um, up after the break, we're going to do the new game. Okay, first up on E, S, or N, everything, something, or nothing. Here's the story. The New York Times, quote, Republicans fear flawed candidates could imperil key Senate races, end quote. Here's the lead. Uh, races in Missouri and Alabama with others to come reflect the potential risks for a party in which loyalty to Donald Trump is the main criterion for securing nominations, end quote. Um, I'm going to just not count the Trump part because I think this is interesting elsewhere. So this story is something, something. Everything, something or nothing. This is something. Let me explain. So the article is about how even in deep red states, if the GOP nominee is a little crazy, a moderate Democrat can win statewide. You know, if you, if you think about the U.S. Uh, politically, there's no reason Republicans should ever have fewer than like 60 Senate seats. <laughs> I mean, there are two Dakotas and D.C. can't vote. Um, you know, states are drawn on state uh, state lines, not on population. So even though the country is center left, at least, you know, looking at the popular vote in presidential elections, 
you know, there's Wyoming and Idaho canceling out New York and California. There's really no reason, you know, a Democrat right now is in Ohio, in West Virginia, two in Arizona. Like, there's really no reason for that, except that, you know, Republicans are incompetent. And so a big part of this article is about how Mitch McConnell and his super PACs got involved in the primary in Kansas to prevent this guy, Chris Kobach, from winning the nomination. Um, the establishment candidate, Roger Marshall, won that race against Chris Kobach, and then he easily beat the Democrat because he was just a normal Republican, a nice old country club Republican. Come on in. I'm going to pretend to care about working people, and then I'm going to deregulate and tax cut for the wealthy. And, you know, that if you're in Kansas, you'll win easily. But Chris Kobach was a hardliner in immigration. He had some interesting quotes out there. You know, Kansas um, could have voted for a moderate Democrat had Kobach won. The article doesn't really go into t- 2012, which I found kind of shocking. So in 2012, it was a big wake-up call for Mitchie, Mitchie Mitch. You know, Democrats often view the Obama years as just a series of, you know, devastating congressional losses. But did you know, my intelligent listeners, that Democrats actually picked up multiple Senate seats in 2012, Obama's re-election year, and also picked up seats in the House in 2012. They even won the popular vote in the House election uh, that cycle. So why, why am I bringing this up? Well, there were a number of, frankly, red states where the nominee was a little crazy. And Democrats either held the seat or took it. This is back in 2012. This is when Mitch McConnell learned his lesson that he has to get involved in, in nominating regular Republicans. So Missouri, 2012. Republicans nominated a fella named Todd Aiken. He went on to say this. Okay, so if, if an abortion could be considered in a case of, say, a, a tubal pregnancy or something like that, what about in the case of rape? Should it be legal or not? Well, you know, uh, uh, people always want to try and make that as one of those things well how do you how do you slice this particularly Mm -hmm. tough sort of ethical question it seems to me first of all from what I understand from doctors that's really rare if it's a legitimate rape uh, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down but let's assume that maybe that didn't Mm -hmm. work or something you know I think there should be some punishment but the punishment ought to be in the rapist and, and not attacking the child so that was Todd Aiken um, talking in 2012 about if it's a legitimate rape, a woman's body can shut that whole thing down. And I remember that comment got a lot of ad play, a lot of airtime, as the kids would say. And he lost the state. He got 30-something percent of the vote, even as Romney, on the same ticket, going against Obama, won by a comfortable margin. And then there was also Indiana in 2012. A Tea Party activist beat the incumbent Republican senator in the primary and then faced off with a moderate Democrat in Indiana, uh, which is very red. The nominee's name, uh, the Tea Party guy, said this. Now, during a debate with his opponent last night, Indiana Senate hopeful Richard Murdoch was asked whether abortion should be allowed in cases of rape or incest. I struggled with it myself for a long time, but I came to realize life is that gift from God. And I think even when life begins in that horrible situation of rape, that it is uh, something that God intended to happen. Okay, so God intended it to happen in terms of rape uh, and abortion. Um, Didn't go well for him, and he lost too. 
he lost to Joe Donnelly in Indiana. And there's really no reason for Republicans to lose statewide in places like Missouri or Indiana. And they only do when they nominate fanatics, frankly, which is what these people are, like this. So those are two states McConnell needed and some far-right nominees lost in the general election. And Mitch vowed to get involved in primary so regular Republicans can win. Okay, so that's just the backdrop. Let's talk about 2022. Missouri and Alabama. So Roy Blunt is retiring in Missouri, and the frontrunner to replace him is now a guy named Eric Greitens, the former governor who had to resign a few years ago. Now, why did Eric Greitens have to retire? Here is verbatim what the story says. I'm just going to read it because there's really no way for me to summarize this more accurately or succinctly than this. Quote, accused by a hairstylist of binding her hands spanking her, taking semi-nude pictures, and threatening to release them if she disclosed their affair. Mr. Greitens was charged with felony invasion of privacy. The case fell apart, but the Republican-led legislature moved to impeach him anyway. An explosive investigation by the Missouri House concluded that the women's accusations were credible, end quote. <laughs> so, you know, This is who the Republican nominee may be uh, next year in the Missouri Senate race for the open seat. And you know what? 2012 may repeat itself. And Alabama, Mo Brooks says he's running. He was briefly under investigation for saying some shit during the January 6th terror attacks on the Capitol. He was also the first House Republican to announce he was going to oppose the certification process. And the story does a good uh, job of explaining how anytime Mo Brooks has ran for anything statewide, he does really poorly. <laughs> and, you know, Alabama, obviously, very red place. But don't forget about Doug Jones. Doug Jones beating the pedophile the Republicans nominated just a few years ago. It like literally happened like three years ago. So this is what happens with Republicans, right? They primary people from the right, they do all these purity tests, and what happens? They get some crazy fringe person, far-right candidate, and they lose a state that, like, tilts seven to ten points their way in what should be a layup, and they lose. They lose. So this is something because it's important, uh, I think, it. Whether Republicans can be disciplined and nominate electable candidates for the general election will will be a, a big part of whether they can uh, retake the Senate uh, next midterm cycle. So that that story was something. All right, next up on the new game, Colorado suspect got assault weapons six days before shooting. That's from the AP. Now this is everything. Everything. The city of Boulder passed a law banning assault-style weapons, and 10 days before the shooting, a judge struck it down. Six days before the shooting, the suspect bought the assault-style weapon used in the massacre. Now, I'm no math expert, but if the judge upheld the law 10 days before the shooting, then four days after that, this guy would have been, wouldn't have been able to buy the gun. This is everything because the right always accuses the left of pushing for gun control laws that wouldn't have prevented the mass shooting everyone is, is upset about, right? But in this case, it would have, right? 
And some right-winger is probably saying, oh, well, he could still have gotten this gun on the black market if there was a ban. Really? High school educated, lived with his mom, had no friends, hallucinated over being chased at, had a temper issue. This is the guy you think can peruse the dark web and buy a gun illegally and not buy one off a cop pretending to be a gun seller? I don't know. You know, it's true that no law can prevent all gun crime. There are just too many of these things on the street. But it's also true that we should be preventing as many mass shootings as we can. And the reality is, if this law wasn't struck down, uh, 10 more people would be alive today. And by the way, how did this guy get a gun? An arrest record? He was convicted of assault. A documented case of mental health issues, including paranoia, according to his brother. Problems at school, rage issues. I mean, how is he not flagged? The gun laws in this nation are a fucking joke. Fucking joke. By the way, he was born in Syria, the shooter. Came here when he was three. Arab name. Uh, Haven't watched Fox a lot the last few days, but I'm sure they're hammering that. Not the extreme paranoia or how easy it is to get guns or how he's able to buy guns with a criminal record. No, no, no. I'm sure it's his name. I bet you they're running with his name. Even though he wasn't religious and there's no terrorism angle announced yet. Good. Great. Awesome. Focus on the name, not the guns. That's that's the thing that's more important here, you know. Here's how fucked up our gun problem is, by the way. Uh, I was reading some news stories about the shooting to prepare for the pod. Look, I'm doing research. And one article said it was the deadliest mass shooting since the El Paso Walmart assault. And I thought, what the fuck was the El Paso Walmart shooting? And then it completely came back to me. The white guy who penned the anti-immigration manifesto went to a Walmart in El Paso, targeted Mexicans. Uh, That was our previous most deadly attack. And literally, they happen so frequently that I forgot about it, which is frightening. And by the way, I saw this clip going around the old internet. Um, you can really tell which political points are bad for Republicans by how much attention they get on Fox News. <laughs> right? Um, I'll give you some examples. They're hammering immigration right now because it's they view it as a winning issue. And certainly with illegal immigration, it is a winning issue for them. And the COVID relief bill, which got, you know, 75% of support um, and most of its benefits flowing to the middle class, got barely any mention on Fox News. So here is Sean Hannity, the night of the shooting. This is his lead at the top of the program. This is, you know, this is him coming on air. This is not coming off a commercial break. This is him coming on air at the top of the hour. Have a listen and let me know what you think. In fact, on Monday, Fox News barely covered the horrific Boulder shootings in primetime. Sean Hannity opened his show by briefly mentioning it and then quickly moved on to something that he apparently considered much more important. We start tonight a Fox News alert. Tonight, authorities responded to a shooting at a supermarket in Boulder, Colorado. Officials are currently right this moment holding a press conference. We have our reporters on the ground. We'll bring you the details as they emerge tonight. We start tonight and turn to Joe Biden, who after falling not once, not twice, but three times, trying to climb the stairs on Friday, enjoying a restful weekend with zero public events on Saturday and Sunday. So imagine that being your lead. 
on the night of a horrific mass shooting. Yeah, we got reporters on the scene. We'll talk about it sometime. By the way, did you see Joe Biden fell up the stairs last week? <laughs> I mean, it's 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 telling, frankly, that they're that scared of the gun issue. Um, that, that they would lead with an old man tripping a week later. That's that's literally a block. That's what they're starting with. Um. Frankly, I thought they were just going to lead with like right right wing talking points, like the NRA printed out for them. You know, uh, this guy killed the people. The gun didn't kill the people, right? Um, you know, this guy could have killed ten people with a machete. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, in case you wanted more evidence that Sean Hannity isn't a serious person, there you go. All yours, free of charge. Lastly, in my debut game of. Uh, everything, something, or nothing. We have Trump starting his own social media company. This is nothing. (laughs) It's nothing because starting a social media platform requires hard work, knowledge, and execution. Uh, Whatever company Trump starts will be like Trump Steaks, Trump Taj Mahal, Trump Airlines, Trump Beverages, Trump The Game, Trump Magazine. I mean, I can go on and on. Do you get the picture? I think you do. Let me put it this way. Uh, Google Plus failed. If Google couldn't figure out social media, I doubt Donnie T can. No offense to Donnie T. Uh, Twitter bought Vine and Vine failed. And, you know, Twitter may know a thing or two about how to run a social media company. Do we, does, does anyone remember iTunes ping from Apple? <laughs> that was their, their attempt into the uh, social media circle. iTunes ping lasted less than two years. So can Donald Trump succeed where Google, Twitter, and Apple couldn't? My guess is no. The platform will be littered with QAnon garbage, boardroom, you know, backstabbing, uh, capital problems, and just a ton of shit. Uh, Social media companies thrive financially because of advertisements. And what company wants to associate its brand with a Trump-founded message board of QAnon stuff? Okay, well, besides my pillow, besides my pillow, I mean, there aren't enough my pillows to keep this thing afloat. So this story is nothing, and so ends the debut of my segment: everything, something, or nothing. Now I did one of each today, but going forward, it's not going to be three and perfectly even like that. I want to give you guys, you know, keep all you OCD people happy out there. Um, but you know, going forward, I'm going to read some under the radar stories and tell you what I think about them in terms of their importance. Um, and, you know, give my quick take on it. So that's it for today's show. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you soon. Have a good one.